welcome to Crew Talk. Today I have Daniel and Alvin from Boo Studios, our View Studios. We just had this conversation. Uh, my name is Blake Barnett. I'm filling in for uh, Sarah Marinch today. Uh, Daniel and uh, Alvin, can you give us a quick intro? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Daniel. I am the creative director at View and our production company Diamond View, and uh, I also help uh, work with our technology partners to create some cool new tech and innovations in uh, virtual production. Yeah, so uh, my name is Alvin Renz, and I am the VP of uh, Research and Development here at VIEW, and also lead the virtual production department here. Shoots Video is a place for creatives to showcase their work and be seen by producers, marketing managers, corporate executives, and other future clients. Add your reel to Shoots Video today. Cool, cool deal. So for the uninitiated, what is, what exactly is virtual production? Yeah, it, it's a really good question because there's a lot of different answers to it. Um, you know, there, there's a few different types of virtual production. So uh, what we do is called ICVFX and camera visual effects. And so that basically means that we want to try and capture as much content as possible in the camera without having to, you know, replace green screens and uh, and do that kind of stuff in post-production. And so, uh, you know, we, we still do visual effects. If we need someone to, you know, disappear or something like that, uh, or something to explode, we can't actually make someone explode in real life. Uh, <laughs> so, that'd be bad. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we're still doing that kind of stuff in post-production. Uh, but, but basically our goal is just to capture as much as we possibly can in, uh, in Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, so yeah, just to add to Daniel, um, point is the virtual, virtual production is actually a bigger, um, a bigger, you know, um, coverage in our, our industry. And what we focus more into that is the in-camera VFX. There's a, there's an XR um, in terms of virtual production where you see the floor and LED in the floor and everything is almost like pre-composed pre -pre -composed in, in the shot. But what we have is a mixture of an actual virtual set as a background and also uh, a practical element in, in this stage. So it's a mixture of both that allows us to do that. Yeah. And, and the, the technology behind it is it's all running uh, off of a game engine called Unreal Engine. So uh, essentially what happens is we're tracking our camera's position in real time in, in physical space. That image is getting sent into a computer and it's processing the positional data. And then in the fraction of a second, it's actually rendering a, 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 per, a camera perspective on an LED wall that, so when your camera moves, the background parallaxes, that kind of stuff. So it, it allows you to take your talent to a location instead of, uh, or spring a location to your talent, to your crew, instead of taking your talent to the location. So we can shoot in studio here in Tampa, but we can bring in an environment that is in Alaska or uh, in a different planet or, you know, mm -hmm. some, something crazy like that. And so that's kind of the, uh, the practical application of how we utilize virtual production. Okay. And you mentioned Orlando. Is, is that where you guys are at now? Are you in Orlando? No, we're actually based out of Tampa. So I mean, have, you said Tampa. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking yeah. Orlando. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're based out of Tampa, but we are coming to Orlando very soon, actually. So, okay. Uh, and we're, as we speak, we're building out a facility, in Orlando, where we're going to have three stages there, 
Uh, and but one of them is going to be our biggest stage yet, our, mm -hmm. our biggest first production stage. Exactly. Uh, we also have stages in Nashville and in Las Vegas, which we just opened last week. Nice. So right now you have the three and then you're opening up a fourth in Orlando is, is the plan? That's correct. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good deal. Um, what, uh, what, what are some of the practical objects that you typically bring into the studio or some examples of some, you know, you know, you're, you're talking about mixing it in with the virtual set and like the practical, what, what are some examples of situations that you normally do? A lot, a lot of that. Um, so it will still boils down to the, the concept of the, the project and the scope of the project. Uh, to give an example, let's say we're trying to do a sunset scene because that's one of the, the really good example for it. You could have a sunset for how yeah. or inside AC, especially in Florida. Uh, in terms of the, the practical elements for it, um, you're going to have what you normally would see in, in, in that environment, uh, like the, the whether we put sands on the floor, um, palm trees to, mm -hmm. to, to add. The, tree, uh, the trick really is, is having as much as practical elements as possible. It would, I would say it should be at least 50% of, of the actual uh, production in terms of the design aspect of it, yep. because it helps it bonds the virtual element to the real element of it. So if you don't have, if you don't have any practical elements, it just doesn't work that way. It, it, it doesn't give you the illusion of, of that perspective. Is, is the floor uh, LED, LED screens when you do no. that? No, so the floor is not, okay. So that's why. So you, you would just bring sand in and like uh, maybe an umbrella or something in some beach towels and then you'd mix it in with yeah. um, to get the water in the background for the sunset. Yeah, you can go pretty minimal with art and we've done that before, but then you can go all out with art as well. Mm -hmm. We always say that we've done our job if you never even notice the environment. If you see a, a beach scene like Alvin was talking about taking place and you're more invested in the drama of the characters interaction and that kind of stuff, versus the environment around them, then we've done our job. Uh, you know, that is something that people don't always take into consideration. They think, oh, I can, you know, go shoot on a, in a volume and I don't have to bring any art or lights or anything like that. But the reality is you do need to bring in art, uh, any tangible physical elements that your character is able to interact with is uh, only gonna add more realism and authenticity to, to your scene. Okay, cool. And then how does that work with like crew? Do people typically bring in like their own DPs or is it something where they just bring in their director and like you have a DP that's used to using, you know, your camera setup um, and gaffer? Well, I don't you know, if, you know, how the gaffing situation works. It'd be kind of LED. I don't know how, the, I, I, I'm ignorant to, how, you know, how that works for, yeah. you know, virtual that stuff. Is, that is a really good question. Uh, and we get it all the time actually. And so, Basically, there, there's there's a couple different answers to it, uh, and it's all yes. <laughs> and so, so, so basically, you know, we have a production company called Diamond View, and actually, View it was kind of birthed out of uh, Diamond View, our production company, and View has just kind of grown uh, and like crazy fast, even beyond what Diamond View is. Uh, but a lot of our work that we do at Diamond View is virtual production work, and so we have clients like you know Disney. Um, NASCAR, uh, you know, yeah, a bunch of sports, you know, you, you name it, they hire us to uh, create commercial content for them primarily. And then uh, we'll do that in virtual production. That's probably, at least here in Tampa, where we're based out of, where Diamond View is also based out of, uh, 
probably 50% of the work in our studio here is Diamond View projects. But then the other 50% here, and then in all of our other studios as well across the country, that's primarily other production companies and creative agencies coming in. So they are typically bringing their own director, their own crew. They're supporting it with their, with their own uh, you know, traditional uh, pipeline that they would do. There is a little bit of a learning curve, though, when they're coming into a virtual mm -hmm. production environment. You know, a lot of these directors and DPs haven't utilized the technology before. And so that's been a big focus of ours is education. And even, you know, we've, we've shot with some, or we, we brought in some very experienced uh, DPs who have been doing this for decades and they get in this environment and it, it's a little bit, you know, they're a little bit lost. Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's different. Yeah. 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 And so it, it doesn't take a lot to learn because once you once you understand it, you realize how similar it actually is to being on location. Mm -hmm. But there's there's a learning curve there, and so that's a big focus of ours right now is education and uh, and making get, getting people into our studios through workshops and that kind of stuff for more hands on uh, opportunities. Yeah, and I, I would say that it's it's a lot of uh, you know education in terms in terms of uh, how to use this tool. It, mm -hmm. in basic form it's one of the outlet for us to express our creative and it's a tool for us to enable those creative that might not be possible before but uh there is a, there's also a lot of misconceptions around the virtual production that we we would like to also try to like correct them and make sure that they understand fully how to use this tool there's a uh, some ideas like, oh, then it's virtual, right? We could switch different environments and like a snap of a finger. Like, no, there's still, it's, you still treat it like an actual production. Um, the question, one of the questions they have is um, someone would require some level of planning. And I would say the, the approach in this kind of production is actually the, the post-production or the VFX happening in the front end of it. You kind of need to plan out all your, your environments you need to plan out your your build out of your 3d elements uh there's a lot of um uh optimization of environments that you pick uh how it's gonna portray in the led wall how would you recreate that exact element in, in the practical um form so a lot of pre-production and a lot of like education in the client side needs to happen to be able to have a successful virtual production Okay, and we we already have a couple of questions from the audience, and uh, anybody out there, if, feel free to ask me anytime. We'll we'll, we'll jump at them. Uh, we have the first one here from uh, Doug Morris. Hey, Doug. Uh, it sounds the question is it sounds like you're putting together different elements, which seems like it would require some level of planning. To what degree do you use storyboards in your pre-production? Oh, as often as we possibly can, we're using storyboards. Uh, you know, sometimes that is dependent on the timeline we're working with, and and that sort of thing, but it, it is a just like it would be for an on-location production or traditional shoot. You know, we're wanting to utilize storyboards. We're referencing uh, all the time. We're we're building shot lists. It's a very very similar um, pipeline to what we typically do. But like Alvin was saying, it does take more work on the front end, especially since it's so new and we're educating. A big part of what we're doing on the front end mm -hmm. isn't just preparing environments and. And that sort of thing. It's also education and helping our clients understand how to utilize the technology. What are the right scenes to use it for? What are not the right scenes to use it for? And so, you know, those those are some of the things that uh, that that we're really big on right now. But but yeah, storyboards are huge. Uh, planning is absolutely essential. You do have a lot of flexibility. You yeah, know, virtual yeah. production allows yeah. us to create 
a ton of creative freedom and flexibility, but you have to set yourself up right to uh, be able to utilize that creative freedom. Mm -hmm. And then knowing, knowing the, the limitation of the tool and what you could do and what it's good at to use it for. Mm -hmm. um, also uh, speaking in, in the storyboard aspect of it, uh, in terms of pre-production, you have the ability to almost kind of like pre-visualize what you're going to see in terms of um, uh, environment because you're, you have the ability to customize and design the environment part of it in Unreal Engine. So that's one of the, a lot of the director really love, a lot of the, the DP really love because they are able to manipulate the environment in terms of like the look, the, the placement of where they want to shoot. Do they want this environment, this this rock to be, you know, placed in here and the, the DP, do, do you want it to be more of like a moody sunrise or a sunset? Or do you want it to be more of like a bright day basing? Yeah, or do you want your sun to be green? Yeah. You know, like yeah. you can do all kinds of yeah. really crazy stuff. So uh, with the storyboard process, do you find that it's any different than the typical storyboard? Or like, is there any other nuances for like virtual production regarding the storyboard? Or is it pretty much the same? Currently, it's pretty much the same. However, the, the tools that we're really excited about are the pre-visualization tools that are based in Unreal Engine mm -hmm. that can then translate into a practical use for your shoot. Mm -hmm. And so these are tools we're working on developing right now, actually, to where, you know, uh, if, if we're designing an environment in previs and we're blocking on a shot in previs and we're, we're, we're doing all those kinds of things, then, you know, we're actually doing double work if we're utilizing a previs tool that's based around Unreal Engine and they are having to recreate all that in the engine for our shoot. Mm -hmm. So what we want to be able to do is have a, a previous solution to where you're designing your environment and you're you're doing everything uh, for previs and doing essentially a virtual pre-light mm -hmm. and then you can take that and you can utilize it on your shoot and all the things that you did in your previs are right there in our stage um, like here in Tampa or wherever you're shooting. Yeah so pretty much your, your storyboard is going to be the final environment that you're going to be utilizing. Yeah, and, and there's one of the one of the things that we experiment is using the VR uh, goggle the HTC Vive. So we were able to hand it to the director and actually able to to engulf you know engulf him like himself into it and then explore where they actually need to shoot in a VR aspect of it, which is a very immersive and totally new way to, yeah. to do it. It's very creative. Yeah, yeah, we're really not too far off from a world where. You know, we do all of our previs on a computer or in VR, and then we get walk on a set. We uh, the director has an iPad or with um, all of the different shots that were storyboarded from the previs, and they all right shot two A. They tap it, and then it pulls it up on the environment uh, in the volume. So, so those are some of the kind kind of things that we're we're really excited about. That's really cool. Um, we got another question. Actually, a couple more questions uh, from Radiance Digital. They're asking what what is the size of your studio? And we should probably put up your website address too, so they could um, just uh, viewstudios.com. Yeah, I'll put it in here. But yeah, they're asking what the size of your studio is, and then maybe they're different at each location. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, they are a little bit different. So uh, our Tampa stage, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you probably know better than I am. But our Tampa stage is a uh, hundred foot diameter or a hundred foot. Uh, length stage mm -hmm. and then 50 diameter 50 diameter yeah, 50 um and our uh it's how how high like, this is uh 17 17 feet yeah 70 feet yeah. yeah our natural stage is 
about 120 feet long and it is 20 feet high 20 feet high yeah mm -hmm. it, the the one in nashville is quite different and we were able to create a new design for it so instead of a volume it is uh so it still looks like a traditional c volume shape but we actually extended another wall so it's like a j shape mm, so okay so you have one long, one longer wall kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, that what, that, what that allows us to do is to have some walking shots along the you know mm. the flat wall and just give us more landscape to, to, be, to utilize. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, next question from uh, Eli Shell: Any tips on combining Unreal lighting and IRL lighting on the stage? Is that IRL in real life? In real life, in real, in real life lighting, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so that's definitely. Um, so the tips for that, uh, we utilize a lot of uh, I would call smart lighting uh, these days. Like, it's just crazy that you could uh, like update your firmware on the light now. Um, but yeah, we use a lot of uh, DMX lighting as well um, to be able to control it uh, and and dialed in to look for it. One of the advice that I always tell Gaffer and DP is the led technology is still rgb in terms of diodes so you're only getting three um, color spectrum from the wall right so mm -hmm. you want to actually use the wall as an ambient lighting to, to to create the ambient in your practical set but utilize your key lighting um, for, for example like a sky panel to match the wall uh color color um uh, um, the, the color use the, use your practical lights to, to match the color of the wall instead of like using the wall to match your your um, key light because you won't have enough spectrum to actually match the sky panel. So with the sky panel, you would have all the spectrum to match whatever the color of the wall is. So yeah, it is similar to kind of the same situation we were talking about with art, to where some people may come into a, a virtual production studio and think, oh, I don't even have to light because I can just put lights up on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it does a really good job of ambient lighting. We do do a lot of stuff where we put up massive, like 20 foot white cards, mm -hmm. which essentially act as like a giant bounce. It's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty crazy. But Alvin's absolutely right. That quality of light isn't the same. And so when we encourage DPs to come in and gaffers to come in and light this exactly like you would if you were on location, you know, mm -hmm. use the same principles that you would on location, the biggest difference uh, thing that we need to take into consideration though is controlling spill. Because mm -hmm. if we're spilling onto the screen, what it does is it uh, it actually kind of like lights up the black portions of the it's screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then what, what tends to happen is if you get spill, it's one of the, the biggest giveaways if we're ever mm -hmm. watching something with virtual production, it's like, oh, they didn't like this properly it, because mm -hmm. the, the black levels on the the screen whatever's on the screen won't match the black levels of your talent or whatever is physical practical so. yeah use use uh, a lot of advice that i tell to even use this false color specifically uh, especially to judge your black levels of the, the virtual wall and then your black levels on your practical so with false color you're going to be able to dial in and to actually see if you're close to both of them and i think that's once you get it in the same color and the false color, you should should be good. Yeah, you mentioned there's a little bit of a learning curve for the DPs. It, it sounds like there's a little the same learning curve for like a gaffer, you know, going in there to mm -hmm. you know, kind of dialing in the you know how is how he normally does his lighting or her lighting. Um, so yeah, that's that sounds about right. 
And do do outside gaffers typically go in there, or is that something that you normally handle internally? You're saying just bring your lights like normal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we we get gaffers uh, who have been doing this for you know 30 years, 40 years. We just had a shoot in our Vegas stage, and the gaffers we brought out there, we were kind of joking around like, oh, they're all grandpas, and it was <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. You know, they had been doing this for years. This mm-hmm. was their first time on a virtual stage. Mm-hmm. And they were like, their eyes were like, well, like, uh, uh, probably sh- shocked a little bit. This is kind of yeah. shell shocked. And this is like mixing the old and the new. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I've never, this is this is magic. What is going on here? Yeah. It's like, that's a 20 by, and you just eat it in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like yeah. for, for a 20 by 20, it'll take you how many people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean for, for creative purposes, you know, it always boils down to how it looks in camera mm-hmm. uh, in the final output. But all those uh, suggestions that I mentioned is to, to be aware of, you know, that, mm-hmm. that know the tools more. If you could totally, uh, totally use the wall to just light your scene, but it limits you later in post to be able to call it correct and, you know, push boundaries in terms of like colors. If you want to push it this way, then, you know, the, knowing that at least walking into the project, you know, it, it's a good thing to have. Okay. And uh, I'm going to take a few steps back. You mentioned Diamond uh, uh, Diamond uh, View earlier as your production company. Uh, can you give us a kind of just like background history? How you know, how uh, View Studio started and just like a little history of, you know, you know mixing uh, Diamond View as well. Yeah. So like Alvin said, Diamond View has been around for over 15 years now. And, you know, Alvin and I haven't been with the company for that long. Alvin's been here quite a while longer than I have. But, you know, uh, Diamond View started kind of uh, right before the re- recession back in 2008. And, <laughs> You know, that was a big proving point for the company um, to really get as scrappy as possible and down and dirty and, you know, figure out how to make video content and ultimately make money mm-hmm. in the middle of a recession. And so our CEO, Tim Moore, he he started the company. He started, as most people in our industry get into this, uh, making wedding videos. Then he mm-hmm. upgraded some music videos and nonprofit stuff, car commercials. And then, <laughs> you know, eventually work his way up to, you know, doing national commercials and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it was all burst out of, you know, that kind of scrappy attitude of uh, how can I make my current situation an, an, an advantage, you know? Um, and so he did that back during the recession. And then fast forward now to, um, I guess it was 2020 when the pandemic hit, you know, Dino the production company was, was, uh, doing more work than we ever had before, traveling all over the world, busier than ever. And uh, we had a bunch of projects on the books, pandemic hit and all those projects, they fell yeah. flat. Yeah. So we didn't have uh, any work coming in. And, you know, we had a lot of employees. We had uh, almost 30 employees on staff that we wanted to make sure we didn't have to lose anyone during that time. And so yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Tim made a commitment. We're not going to uh, we're not going to fire anyone or lay anyone off or anything like that. And so that that's what happened. And then, uh, but it was out of that, that this birch production idea was birthed. And Alvin actually was kind of the pioneer of that. So I'll let him take that. Well, so, yeah. So doing that before that, I'll just come back a little bit. We've, we've been doing a lot of um, sports. Uh, rear projection. Yeah, rear projection. Okay. And using it as a, you know, 
background, you know, but um, only now looking at it, it was like makes sense and how he ended up here. So there's always, I always like wanted to have an idea because we always use a projector as a background. It's like, hey, Tim, when are we going to use an LED and how to use as a background? Because I could just, me as a DP, that's like, oh, that's amazing. I could actually create a cube or anything and I could just throw in and play in, you know, Premiere and actually not worry about bleeding lights in in projector screen because we have to push the projector all the way back and like yeah and then uh, we've been doing that for quite some time and then uh like daniel was saying during the the pandemic i'm like uh, we all got you know working from home and i'm like tim not really sure what to do as a dp working from home and you know so, so <laughs> yeah like figure out well, how am i going to shoot or not and i started learning um you know 3d and you know it's always something that i want to do uh, bought some 3D printer and you know I'm messing with uh, Maya and and Unreal Engine and this new thing comes out uh, from the um, you know um, the Mandalorian and then they showcased mm -hmm. the ability of it. I was like, that's it. That's that, what that's I'm looking for. Exactly what I'm talking about. So like started learning it and like, hey Tim, I mean let's just try to like buy like an LED panel and then let's start it small. So I was uh, I was on my computer for you know we're slowly slow back working in the studio again. But I would be on my computer. I brought my own computer and started learning Unreal Engine from and production is still slow at that time. Mm -hmm. It's it's backing up. So from like 9 a.m. to like 5 p.m. still like trying to learn Unreal Engine. We have this wall, like tiny wall to, to learn it. And then I remember the time. When, that, you, when you say tiny wall, what size wall you, about this is like? 30? The, the first one we got was 20 feet. 20 feet, yes. Uh, 20 feet. 20 feet yeah. it's, not, it's not tiny. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. It's still pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah. We, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. And yeah. even to give a little context to that, uh, Diamond View had saved up a bunch of money to purchase a uh, an old cigar factory here in Tampa that we were going to renovate and turn into like a co-working studio space kind of. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And so it was, uh, we were ready to go with that, literally ready to sign the papers when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, that's probably not such a good business model. But yeah. it, it did give us the funds necessary to invest in some of this virtual production tech yeah. when uh, it became available. So, yeah. so it sounds like you, you build it and they will come. So it sounds like, I don't, I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. You like, you started it, did it. And you, when you built it, you started getting a lot more of that kind of work. And so that that's really cool. I mean, that's, it's really interesting work. I, I know when I go to like the very various industry uh, expos like NAB or Cinegear, man, looking at all those LED screens and there's like virtual backgrounds. It's so cool. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was really cool because, you know, we had never seen virtual production in real life. We had only seen it in behind the scenes of Mandalorian and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I remember Alvin and I, uh, and Alvin said he was at the studio from nine to five working on this. He was probably there from five to nine. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. you know, he's, like he's like sleeping there to wake up and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to figure this out. Exactly. Unreal Engine. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, um, we were, uh, we had a shoot and it was for a medical company that, um, you know, they provide services to different hospitals and dentists and that kind of stuff. And we were, uh, we were talking to them about the project and they, were, they all of the sh uh, scenes would have to take place inside of a hospital. And because we were still in the middle of the pandemic, that just wasn't an option. 
And so we're like, well, what if we try virtual production for this? And so uh, Alvin found this like hospital map that had like 20 different rooms. We barely yeah. know how to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> we're trying yeah, if only the client knew. Well, you know, yeah, like, yeah, behind the scenes on that, they're like, oh gosh, yeah. we put our faith in these guys. Yeah, but it was cool because <laughs> we actually were able to take the client through all these different environments and uh, show them like, okay, here's what the lobby looks like. Here's what the dentist's office looks like. Here's what the vet's mm-hmm. office looks like. And they were able to see all of that. And so that was kind of like our first virtual like mm-hmm. tech scout mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then we... We pulled up the, there was, I remember the first time we ever had Unreal Engine working on the LEDs with the camera tracking and everything. And we looked at it through the camera and we saw, we're like, holy crap. Like, that looks good. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, yeah, it was like, like a light bulb moment, goosebumps all around. Looking back at that project now, it's like, oh yeah, that was, it's a little rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it proved the concept for us. And so we got us really excited. And that's when we knew we had to go all in. And um, Alvin just pulled something up here. I think he's... Uh, yeah, do you want to share your screen, Alvin? Screen share. Yeah, I was going to share this um, um, this video that we did. Um, I would say this uh, this is probably the video that stamps it, um, that when we said, like, okay, this that convinced everyone in our company. And in the beginning, it's just me and Daniel. It's like, okay, let's just push this, and let's we have a client for that um, hospital. But when we did this... Um, uh, video is when you know I think it stamps it and everybody saw it um, and pretty much love it. So I mean, what what you'll notice about this too is is all of the art and so kind of like we were talking about earlier, it's full of art. But this is on our small little twenty foot wall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, maybe by this point we had built because we did build it we extended a little, it a little, a little bit, bit yes. more. But um, but yeah, so these are all Unreal environments. Some of the shots are actually plates. But it it really proved it for us. Like, oh wow, we can uh, we can this actually. Is a, can, this is like know. a music video project. It's kind of uh, it doesn't uh, on here. We don't get a good connection, so it doesn't play clean. But it looks like a music video. Is that? It is a music video. Yeah, and we will send you this link to. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so all these are just templates in Unreal Engine. You didn't have to really create anything. They had these kind of you. You just have to customize a little bit for your needs, or yeah, yeah we had to create the. Uh, um, at least most of the environments here. We not from scratch, but we have something uh, as a base. Uh, we look for uh, things similar that we would like. Let's say that um, that forest, the, the the forest scene. We're like, okay, that's something that we could make it night scene. It was originally a day scene, and then we could make it night scene, and then and then tweak it to the color and tweak it to the props and added some rain effect to it, and also practical rain effect, and also a bunch of like plants in the studio okay so, so you did okay so you had some practical like plants and like you actually you know made made a little bit of rain in the studio yeah yeah we did we had you know uh, practical snow practical rain uh you know a bunch of sand plants you name it so uh it was the, the art department really killed it on this one but um alvin just dropped the link in there so cool. they can go watch it uh in full resolution um, yeah, it looks like a it looks like a like a nursery at some point. Yeah, it's a nursery at some point at the studio because when you walk in, there's like a bunch of like potted plants, you know. <laughs> but we never actually really show the the floor for that scene. But that's the beauty of it. It just you know, it's like a problem solving. How can we you know trick it? You know. Like, yeah, no, it it looked really good. I mean, it looked like you're there. Like I didn't, I wasn't like uh, she's not there. I wasn't thinking in my head. I was like, wow, they went to the jungle. You know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the beauty of it too is, you know, there was what five different environments in one day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, imagine doing that in uh, in real life on location. Oh, yeah, wow. that'd be a, that'd be a nightmare to do that to have to go to those locations. There'd be multiple day shoot, and um, you know, for each, you know, it's hard to find a, a state or city that that has kind of proximity to have all those different variants. Um, yeah, sure. I really think that's what one one of the biggest uh, advantage of it. It allows us a lot of our ideas are being shut down because of you know logistic the cost, mm-hmm. and you know what happened to those ideas? They're just like you know never happened but with the virtual production it allows you to create those and bring them to life you know so. oh that's cool so is is diamond view studios still a thing or did you guys just kind of switch off and now your view studios no diamond view is still rocking it's, it's still uh, rocking okay yeah i actually i actually still have a diamond view uh job i'm near my diamond view hat right now actually. okay uh so yeah i'm the creative director over there at diamond view as well as here at view but uh, but yeah, our team has been killing it there. We actually have uh, shoots going on right now. We have a virtual shoot happening in our Nashville stage uh, that Diamond View is doing production for. And then we also have an on-location shoot happening out in California right now as well um, that a different crew is doing. And so it's a, it's a, it's a busy week for us. It's getting busy. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Where in California are you guys? Uh, that's where I'm at. I'm in California. Okay, yeah, uh, up in Reading. Okay, okay, Reading, gotcha. Cool. Um, good deal. Let's see what other questions. I don't see anything from the audience. We have, um, what were some of the first known issues? What were some problems that you guys ran into? Uh, so yeah, many. Pro- There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> so many. And uh, so to the, to the, to the computer, to the, you know, it's a lot of like computer, uh, parts that you have to put together because this elite volume are, are hungry in, resolution and, and processing power uh, in Vegas our stage tier is running in six cluster nodes so that's each computer has a 6000 graphics card uh, and also a Threadripper 32 core Threadripper so a lot of figuring it out in which a system would work that's just a computer and then you have the real side of it <laughs> which is you know you could learn it um, for so long and still not know the entire Unreal Engine. And then also other aspects like tracking, camera tracking, a lot of problems in that as well. Because I think what it is, is is we're trying to put together this virtual production that's being inherited in a lot of different uh, different industries. Like the LED is mainly for like a show industries, you know, event industries. The Unreal Engine is game industries. And, and the tracking is for, you know, I mean, that's like broadcast. broadcast. Right, right. And now you're trying to mush it down and this create a new uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And it's not really made for it. So there's a lot of problems that would collide in there and then also come up. But those are the things that, you know, we're happy that we found them. You know, so that's, you know, we, we now learn from it and we can share it to the people that, you know, hey, avoid this. And mm-hmm. this is the tricks and stuff that you should look into. And you know, to to share it, yeah. Yeah, that's been our strategy. Really, is bringing all those pieces together uh, mm-hmm. and making it easy to use. Because for your standard uh, filmmaker, it's it's not an easy tool to utilize. And so, our goal is that a director can bring her crew into the studio. They can, uh, you know, walk in, flip on the lights. Our team is there to support them, and 
you know, they're able to execute whatever their creative vision is and, uh, and have it be as seamless as possible. And, you know, we're, we're still working a lot of kinks and there's a lot of different little things like Alvin was talking about that, uh, you know, are kind of uh, workarounds that we're having to figure out. Even right now, supply chain is an issue. You know, all those different parts are coming from different parts of the world, different suppliers. And so, you know, we were facing bottlenecks there, but really at the end of the day, uh, we, we have this, this vision to just make this more accessible and easier for people to utilize. So, uh, you know, and it, it's already getting there. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. When you think about when we first opened up our uh, our first studio here in Tampa, uh, our, our big one, not that small one that we were showing you, mm -hmm. um, that we were at, at the time, we were the only studio, virtual production studio that we knew of that was available to the public at that size. You know, now there's, there's dozens of them all over the world. Um, and there's more popping up every day. And we're really excited to be a part of that journey and, and have a role to play in it. Yeah, yeah I'm, ex I'm excited. It's cool. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, Alvin. No, I was just going to share that it's still, you know, it's still hard to to learn it. And I think that's one of the things that we want to bring instead of, you know, not everyone has access to LED volumes. And not everyone, you know, to be able to learn the workflow, you need to be on that on-prem to, to have LED volume. So we want to lower that barrier of entry to be able to, to, to share this, to, to explain it and share the process and also share the volume to everyone to mm -hmm. have the ability to shoot on one and to make, you know, to make the easy, the progress, the learning progress easier. So they don't have to go through all the stuff that we have to learn. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And, and right now, I think it's good that we're right in front of it and we could almost kind of create our own workflow. Every studio, every virtual production, it's kind of like a free-for-all now. It's like you, you create your own way of doing it and we'll create our way of doing it. But what we want to focus to as we create this and how can we, you know, bring this to a lot of people to have access to, and, mm -hmm. you know, to, to bring down the level of barrier of entry. And one of the issues that we first encounter is uh, talent. Um, mm -hmm. People that knows how to do virtual production, that knows Unreal Engine. Uh, Unreal Engine, a lot of an Unreal Engine developer or game developer are coders. They, they like to be alone and then code and create games as well. But you mix them with production environment, which is very stressful. They don't really, very different. you know, yeah, they don't really, yeah. So yeah, yeah. How, it's they, they, yeah, they don't know what a stinger is. They don't know what a yeah, stinger is. Uh, uh, no. yeah. So with that, with that said, when, uh, when you go to, I mean, traditionally, when you go to rent a, a traditional studio, psych wall, you're, it's pretty much unmanned. Like you bring in your own, like for us, we'll bring in our own gear and we'll set everything up. There's no one there helping us. I would think that yours needs to have some sort of support. Like you need at least one person there operating. Like I don't. How does that work? What kind of crew is there? Uh, that's the bare minimum. Like if you know if they kind of know what they're doing. What's the bare minimum of staff that you normally have um, when someone rents your studio? So I would say at least for the if it is a rural engine. So you would need at least a virtual production supervisor and then a stage operator, which would handle. Uh, translating, moving the stage, uh, maybe depends on the scale of the production. That stage operator would also modify your Unreal Engine environment, um, would, would also prep your Unreal Engine environment. But on a bigger scale, we have at least five people here on, on, on staff that could support, uh, whether that's lighting, whether that's uh, environment, 
stage control and and prepping for the next scene you know so it, it varies yeah. yeah and i mean just like practically speaking if you are uh someone who comes to us to, to book one of our studios it'll always come with like alvin a stage operator an icvfx supervisor but um also uh each of our studios uh, has a like a studio manager producer kind of person who helps translate and facilitate you know uh all of the different re requests and needs that a client may have so okay uh we have some questions for the audience and we have three of them that i see uh yeah. first first i'm not sure if i'm gonna get this name right uh lesia uh it's her him or her question i'm not sure uh, is it hard to rent the spaces if you have a series so i'm, I'm assuming it's like if you have like a show series Oh, uh, kind of availability, maybe is what I'm guessing the question is. No, not at all. I mean, as long as the, the schedules align, you know, we we have shot for series before. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's typically I think I don't think we really get too often booked for longer than a week at a time. Like a, a productions are typically booked for longer than a week. But, you know, if, it, if we need to facilitate something. For longer than that, we're uh, absolutely able and willing to. It, it's just a matter of finding that availability on the calendar. The benefit is we do have multiple studios around the country, and so uh, you know we're able to um, you know make something work if it doesn't work out here in Tampa. Mm -hmm, chances yeah. are it'll work out in one of our other stages. So, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to skip Eli's question and go to the uh, Radiance Digital question, and it was more about costs. So what are the costs? let's say doing a five-day shoot on a virtual set and it says he's follow-up just trying to compare location costs for virtual production um part of a of a cost benefit okay yeah good question so the prices uh there's a very wide range it depends on what stage you're renting that kind of thing uh you know it can be anywhere from five thousand dollars a day all the way up to fifty thousand dollars per day depending on what the scope. the needs of yeah the scope, scope yeah and the stage that you're utilizing, because we do still have smaller stages. And then we have some of our bigger stages, uh, like Alvin and I were talking about over mm -hmm. in Nashville and, and Vegas. But, um, you know, the the cost of the studio is one thing, but then, you know, you, you do have to consider cost of art and that sort of uh, aspect as well. So if you have a exterior sheet you're doing, that's going to require a lot of art. That's, a, that's something you're going to need to take into consideration of how, how much uh, are, are, do you have allocated your budget for art? You know, we have found that uh, virtual production is not a cost-saving measure for some of our clients. For example, you know, that same uh, client that has the doctor's office that, you know, now we can go shoot in a doctor's office. It's actually gonna probably be, especially if it's a local regional kind of uh, situation, it's actually probably gonna be a lot cheaper for us to go just shoot in their doctor's office, do a quick little scene there, as opposed to building a fully virtual environment, running it through that pre-production, testing it, optimizing it, and then bringing it, uh, you know, bringing it into the volume and shooting it. So, so you know, for that type of situation, virtual production might not be the right solution. Mm -hmm. But where we are saving a lot of money is for the productions that are doing, you know, multiple locations per day, multiple like remote locations per day, especially because. You know, we can do multiple locations in a single day, whereas, you know, traditionally you would have to have um, at least one day dedicated to a remote location plus travel, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we're saving a lot of money for people who um, want to be able to shoot one scene for a long time 
that they typically wouldn't have a lot of control over on location, like an all-day golden hour kind of thing. Um, and so we're, we're, that, 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 those are the kind of situations where we really are saving money. And it's just a cool creative tool as well. So, you know, people, uh, so some of our clients are utilizing it just for that. And I would actually say that's probably the majority of, of the people who come to us are just because they want that complete creative control mm. to be able to, you know, we, we did a, a shot or a spot for Neiman Marcus uh, a couple months ago, and they were doing uh, a Christmas uh, campaign and they had uh, a New York City street, snowing, all that yeah. stuff. We shot it oh, here yeah. in Tampa. And <laughs> it's like thinking- well, where, where, where it never snows. Right, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then just thinking through the logistics of like, man, if they would have had to shoot us on the street, they would have had to block traffic. They would have to block pedestrians, do all this crazy stuff. But, you know, for this, it was, you know, just uh, coming to the studio. Mm. I think it was a, a two-day shoot. They shot a bunch of scenes, choreographed dancers, like all this crazy stuff. And, uh, it, yeah, it was a, a big win. So yeah, it's pretty what's the best? What's the best route to get a quote from you guys? Say if, uh, like you mentioned, you know, 5,000 to 50,000 plus art. Uh, is there a good email address or contact or a person that they should reach out to to get more information? Or, or yeah, to, dial, to dial it in a bit for the numbers? Yeah, I'll, I'll put both mine and Alvin's emails in this. If anyone has questions about anything, we are always happy uh, to answer. But if specifically sales, um, our website, viewstudio.com, there's contact form on there. You can learn more about, about us there, but there's also a contact form you can fill out. And our sales team uh, is um, is great, great at uh, you know helping figure out what's going to be the best solution for your production and uh, you know finding the right space and all that stuff so i'll send our emails through here real quick perfect and then i'm going to revisit eli's question did we skip them uh early on did you guys experiment with camera tracking on unreal time rendering with a green screen instead of leds uh no so like the camera tracking when we started dealing with virtual production it is totally new to us we like we never done any green screen uh, tracking, uh, let alone the Unreal Engine part. So the entire process for us is is literally a roller coaster of learning as we go, sure. and also trying to figure out how to do this. And 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 we're lucky to have enough like a partner like Moses. Is, you know, one of it early on we we partnered with them and and used them as our camera tracking, and it's pretty much been the best solution for us. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to the difference between what we're doing with uh, XR uh, versus ICVFX. So we really are trying to capture as much as possible on the sensor and mm -hmm. you know the file that our editor gets. Mm -hmm. um, one because you know being in a virtual production studio and shooting without a green screen, it, it for the talent for the crew, it's a significantly better experience because. Mm -hmm. There's no imagining that's having to happen for the world around you. The happy accidents where you turn the camera a little bit, it's like, ooh, I like that. You know, you yeah, get that looks good. Yeah. You know, so so all those things are are really big advantages, but also it's speed in post. So this isn't necessarily a requirement of every client. You know, we still have uh, many different um, clients who have longer timelines for post, but. There, there are situations where it's like, hey, we got to get an edit tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We actually had a situation. This is a crazy story. We, we love to tell this one. It was, uh, it was, um, I, I'm not sure. Oh, WrestleMania was in town here in Tampa. 
and we had a um, person who uh, they, they came and they checked out the studio. Vince. Yeah, 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 Vince McMahon. He came and he checked out the studio, and you know, we did like a little demo for him and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, this is cool. And then he left. Him and his team left. And then uh, about five hours later, they called and they said, hey, we have Bad Bunny in town, and we shot. A, a spot with him on green screen and it looks like trash so <laughs> if we come to the studio tomorrow morning and this is this is probably like five o'clock that uh, that day and we're like oh yeah i mean we could probably make that work uh but we didn't get a confirmation hmm. and then uh, it rolls around and it's midnight and uh, my phone rings and it's someone from wwe and the, <laughs> hey, we can't get a hold of tim who's our, tim is our, our ceo our boss and like, we can't get a hold of him our can we do this? And we're like, yeah, we're doing it. And so I, I called Alvin. We, we showed up at the studio at like four or five in the yeah, morning. Four, yes. And what we had to do is they had shot a couple scenes on location over in like Wyoming or something. And then they shot the rest on green screen and the green screen stuff just did not look good. And yeah. so what we had to do early in the morning is Alvin downloaded all these assets and optimized <laughs> that matched the stuff they shot on location. Mm-hmm. And then we did a scene with, with Bad Bunny and Triple H in this, okay. in this environment. Uh, we shot it, it took maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah they, they, rolled, they rolled in at 10 a.m. It took maybe 20 minutes to shoot. Uh, we, we wrapped it up and then it was, uh, it aired nationally that night. And so, wow. yeah. How long was the, how long was the prep work for you guys though? You said like from five o'clock till 10 o'clock? Was it like a five hour prep? Yeah. 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 Really yeah. Given the, you know, the, the environment that we're trying to match is, uh, you know, simple enough uh, to do it. And, um, and we were, you know, managed to, to get a copy of like the actual files that we're trying to match as mm-hmm. well. So that gives us a lot of direction and, uh, you know, luckily to have an assets um, also in the marketplace to find like that's the good thing about it is like you try to skim through the environments. It's like this could work maybe. All right, let's let's buy this. Okay, this one could work. You start to skim through all of those environments mm-hmm. and, and assess it. Okay, this can work. Let's it could we'll just need a little bit of massage and the correct textures, the correct lighting. We could uh, you know we could make it work and match that. So that's exactly what happened. We have uh, a matching you know environment that just need a little tweaks. Uh, we just bought some plants that could match that environments and some roads and put it in there. And then that becomes the background yeah. for it. And that was the rare, rare exception where we did not have any physical art. Yes. Cause it was okay. not yeah. to, yeah. to have. So yeah, everything was virtual for that one, but it, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, pretty we good. did have four gr- talent foregrounds. So mm-hmm. that was nice to be able to play off of, mm-hmm. but. Oh, given yeah. the, the scene is like uh, the, the, the premise is like they're in the middle of the road out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's like a, a flats of a landscape. So there's not really not a lot of, for us to, to uh, play around in terms of props. Yeah. But as you do virtual production, you learn a lot of these tricks, like devil field is your enemy, uh, is your, your friend, sorry, your best friend. So you manage to use a little bit of depth of field to, to blend the background into that. And then, using a tighter lens to make it more realistic and, and compress them um, from the background to, you know, where the talent's positioning. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had, I was impressed when you said you answered your phone at midnight. I was like, wow, impressive. You know, what's crazy is I was literally laying in bed about yeah. to go to sleep. <laughs> I was, I was literally moments away from 
putting uh, do not disturb mode on my phone when my phone rang. Yeah. So it was it was literally just dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure it happens. Yeah, I mean, I mine goes off at like ten. It's like do not disturb after ten on my phone. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, that's just me. Um, okay, we have another follow up question from where is it? Lacia. Uh, she was basically asking if you have a favorite lens you like to use. I believe. Ooh. Is there? Do you have a favorite? I. I don't personally, know. To me, it's, situ- it's situational, but yeah, personally, I like the thirty-five. Uh, okay. You know, um, in the full fit, uh, frame format, um, in in the volume, I would say yes as well in the volume s- scenario because it close up enough to get some close up, but it's wide enough to not show as much of the ceiling part of the you know environment of the the volume, but also not to, to show much of the of the floor of it. Um, but in terms of what is the best lens, uh, preferably if I would choose something for the volume, I love shooting anamorphics in the volume, like really helps to blend in uh, the, the image, the practical elements in the virtual. I guess it's something to do with how it stretches the, the image afterwards. It just doesn't, you know, it just locks it. Like it's more organic, yeah. I would say. The, the more character you can have in the lens, mm-hmm. honestly, we have this Lomo lens that we'll throw on every now and then. It's like the super old lens, mm-hmm. but it just adds an extra level of character. And again, it's just another layer of, of like Alvin was saying, it's like this organic feeling that it, it makes you forget about the environment and focus more on the story that you're telling. So, Cool. Uh, more questions here from the audience. Uh, Corbin is asking have you guys upgraded to ue5 any benefits any not, benefits to that versus ue4 not yet but we're, we're we're beta testing a lot of it uh it comes to the point uh similar i guess to, it's unreal, unreal engine 5 versus unreal engine 4 that's what he's yes, referring to right? uh, yeah, yeah. gotcha gotcha and then they just released the uh, unreal engine 5 um in this recently and it was still we are still utilizing 4.27 and for the reason, because of the stability of it, uh, when it comes to uh, production, we, we don't want to use the Unreal Engine 5 yet because a lot of the plugins are not ready. The futures and, and, and the things that they have in Unreal Engine 5 is really, really exciting. And the Nanite, the, the Lumen, um, all of those lighting is really benefiting the virtual production side, mm-hmm. but it's not yet ready. To, to be utilized in terms of stability. The, the plugin that we, we need for those to tracking for the Moses, a lot of them are still trying it out, testing it out. I would say not until uh, probably 5.2 of the engine is when they would probably release a lot of like virtual production tools for it and plugins and, and stability, yeah. Okay. Uh, Kelly Myers is asking what brand, and I'm not sure if she's referring to the brand of lenses. Like as a follow-up from Lesia's uh, question, that's the only thing I could think of what she's referring to. Mm. For the brands uh, for the Lomo that we have is a fifty uh, anamorphic Lomo um, from uh, like a Russian lens um, from the eighties. And in terms of the thirty-five mil, um, the one that we have in house that I always the cooks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sounds good. And then uh, the next question is from uh, Radiance Digital. And it's a long one. Uh, how many people do you provide for uh, you know, virtual production? Do we have to bring in? We kind of talked about this a little bit. 
Do we have to bring in the Unreal artists, technicians, et cetera, or do we um, just hire our talent gaffers, DOP, and, it's just, and there's specific cameras that work the best? I know uh, DPs that have their preferred lenses and cameras. Yeah, so um, that, that is a really good question. Uh, so let me just look at this real quick. Um, so we we can do as much or as little as is needed by the client. So for, there are some clients where we handle every piece of the process. So they come to us with an idea. We can provide a director, a DP. We can we can handle all the production. We can do the environment design, all that kind of stuff. Uh, fully turnkey production. And then we have clients that come in and they maybe um, have their own Unreal Engine uh, developer, designer. They, they actually, you know, a good example of this is Disney. Mm -hmm. they, the first time they shot with us, they had already had a, uh, it was for their cruise ship. They were they built a new cruise ship. Disney Wish, yeah. Yeah, and so they already had this big 3D model of the cruise ship that someone from the mill had made for a different project. They're like, oh, we'll just use that. And so we did have to optimize it and everything. But yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just to give a little context on that. So they they have the 3D rendering of the ship, right? But they don't have the ship yet. Um, they're still building it. So we want to create a commercial product. And they, when we brought in the 3D asset of the ship, it has every little pieces to the bolts, to the, you know, to the faucet sinks and to the wires of the, uh, the lights. So we have to optimize a lot of the, the pieces and remove a lot of necessary stuff to make it viable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so those are the challenges um, that you have to um, encounter at some point. Yeah, yeah, that was a big learning lesson for sure. But but yeah, so you know, people can bring in their their own environments. Uh, but uh, we also work like we mentioned earlier with a lot of different directors and DPs. Production companies typically are bringing in their own uh, DPs and directors, but we can, if they're coming from out of town, we can help source local support as well. If they if they have their their key players and they just need some like G and E support, that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're we're happy to help as much or as little as our client uh, wants us to. What cameras do you, do you typically, or what cameras do you have at the studio? When what do you typically use? If you're doing if you're doing it in house, yeah, yeah. We have from Sony cameras down to. 700s um, and to uh, Sony FS7 to up to Red Epic uh, W. We have three of them. Um, we have the Komodos as well. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Alexa Mini as well um, to, 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 to choose from. Uh, we pretty much tried every camera that we had um, for the volume. As long as it's a cinema camera that you have the ability to go dialed in your shutter speed. And sometimes because different cameras would have like different response to the frequency of the, the, the LED. Um, but as long as you're able to dial it in that, uh, it should be good. So we pretty much what, try the camera. What's, what's been your preference? Like what camera would you use when you're shooting? Like what typically most DPs would have a preference. What, what's yours? We we love shooting with uh, the Sony Venice and then also with the Alexa large format well, camera. The, well, the Sony Venice, that's expensive. Yeah, I would probably want to. Yeah, we can't afford that one. Um, okay, so that's your preference is the Sony Venice. Okay, and what was your next step down again? So Alexa and then anything pretty much full frame, you want to use okay. a full camera to take advantage of the depth of field because okay. it will be your best friend at some point. Okay. <laughs> they said Sony Venice, nice. Um, 
I, yeah, we're, we're closely partnered with Sony, and so we've gotten some some pretty nice access to the Venice T. They they brought it out a few times and let us nice. test out a few sheets. So big fans of Sony. Yeah, we have not had a chance to test out that camera, um, but would would love to. Uh, it's about time to wrap up. Uh, I don't know. I don't see any other questions. I think we're good on on that. Uh, what's do you have? Uh, you have your email addresses already to reach out to. Do you have any like, social media accounts that you'd want to throw out there? or other ways to look at some of your work? Yeah, so uh, this is our, uh, I'll put my personal one here. Um, and then Alvin can put his personal. I'm, I'm gonna look up what our studio is because I do not remember off the top of my head. Uh, all right, so this is, um, so view.network, that's uh, that's our Instagram. So we're very active on Instagram. We also have presence on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, but Instagram is is probably where you'll, where you'll see the most action from us. Okay, perfect. Well, I, I, that's all we have today. Uh, I, I appreciate um, both you guys coming on today and tell us more about virtual production. It's, it's really cool. I'm looking forward to, to seeing even more in the future. Uh, uh, with that said, I'll close out with, if you guys... And anybody out there that's a production company or a crew or talent, you know, please add yourself as a resource. Uh, we're really trying to get the best of the best, you know, on our site so we can refer out and refer each other like a peer to peer network. Uh, that's it. I appreciate it, guys. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Any questions? Uh, you got our emails. You have us on Instagram. So please reach out. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Yep. You might be looking at shoot stop video and thinking, so how does this all work? Is this about A, setting up the whole crew for me, B, just giving me options and having me handle it, or C, something in between? Well, it's D, all of the above. To put it simply, we're here to help you in any way that we can to get the crew and talent you need for your next production. We believe that every level of video production can benefit from a well-maintained list of qualified crew members for every position. This goes for pre-pro, on set, and for post. Every project is different, so if you need a producer to help manage the decision-making process, then we can totally do that. If you're already a producer and want to build your own crew from scratch, then go for it. We're here to make your next production a success. And if you are crew or talent looking for producers that want you, then you've come to the right place. Sign up now and also leave a referral for any solid people that you know that are already on here. Thank you for considering ShootStop Video and happy shooting.